Welcome to the Inspired Women Podcast. I am your host, Megan Hall, academic, spouse, mom, and advocate for change. On this podcast, I hold space for women and non-binary individuals to share their stories. Warning, sometimes we chat about taboo topics and drop some F-bombs. Thank you for being here today and enjoy the episode. Hey, everyone. Today, I'm here with Udmi. Udmi Hussain is uh, Bengali by blood and Italian by birth. She works in the financial services industry in Canada, where she is currently residing. I'm part Canadian. My grandfather's from Canada. Um, the what? Never. Yeah, eastern, uh, eastern part of Canada. Um, Montreal area is where he's from. Um, is that where you live? Is Montreal? Okay. Yes. Cool. Yeah, where I'm um where I'm from is like northern New York and so it's right near the Cornwall Bridge to get okay. to Canada. Yeah, that's that's where I'm from, but my grandfather, yeah, he's from Montreal. But anyways, beyond that, uh, so she is self-published author, speaker, blogger, polyglot and mentor. What's a polyglot? Someone who can speak more than one language. Oh, that's a new word for me. Thank you. <laughs> she is the holder of the CFA Charter, one of the highest designations in the financial industry. Her first book is Discovering Your Identity, A Rebirth from Interracial Struggle. She is an advocate for women's empowerment and very passionate about teaching and mentoring other girls and women. She is part of the organization called Women in Leadership for the Victoria Chapter in Canada as the social media lead where she spreads the message of gender equality and more women in leadership positions. She enjoys being a promoter of self-investing and personal development. In her free time, she enjoys reading books and practicing Muay Thai boxing. Uh, so thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Thank you for having me. Yeah, and thank you. Uh, people don't know this, but you were very patient with me because I had to reschedule because of a depressive episode. So I do appreciate your patience and being there for me. Um, you wouldn't imagine the times that I've had to reschedule for various reasons and people get really mad at me and I'm like, life happens. I'm so sorry. <laughs> but I'm also trying to be understanding if somebody else needs to reschedule, right? So if you needed to reschedule for, if you needed to reschedule for any reason, then we would reschedule for that too. Um, so as we get started today, when you when you applied for the podcast, you mentioned that you're a third culture kid. What does that mean? Yes, exactly. I did uh, mention that and I do consider myself a third culture kid because I was born and raised in Italy and my parents come from Bangladesh. So I basically grew up in between two cultures, but I had to come up with my own culture, which was a, me embracing both cultures. But now I live in Canada, so I think there is a fourth culture in me. Um, so that's why I often tell people that I am Italian by birth and Bengali by blood, because I think it just defies me who I am as a person. And it just shows that I am someone who's not fully Bengali, someone who's not fully Italian, but there is a third world out there, which is the combination of the two cultures. So that's where the third culture comes in. Okay. So what were some of your struggles growing up in a situation like that? Uh, we've had a couple people on the podcast who have had various experiences with growing up in a different place or moving to a different place than what what they 
are originally from where they're originally from. So what was that like for you? Basically, for me, it was mainly a sense of uh, self-acceptance and also identification because I basically grew up my whole life in Italy. All my friends were Italian and I never saw someone who looked like me. Uh, there were not that many immigrants, immigrant kids at that time. And so I could not like see myself in anyone else. And so often I would struggle in things like, am I Italian? I would ask this question to myself. Do I, do I feel I'm, I'm Italian? And often the answer was no, because then I would, uh, I would see myself and I'd see the people around me and no one looked like me. So I was very like self-conscious that I don't look anything like my Italian friends. And then when I would go home, it was the same story. Like as much as I look very Bengali, I inside from deep inside, I did not feel Bengali because I was brought up in a such a Western society that I feel like some of the values that I got, they were very much Italian. And so inside, I did not feel Italian. So inside, I did not feel Bengali. I actually felt very Italian. And outside, I knew that I looked very Bengali. So there was a little bit of contrast in that sense, depending on with who I was spending my time with. So if I was spending time with my Italian friends, I was self-conscious that I, I was not Italian. And when I was with my family or my, let's say, my, my Bengali community, I did not feel I was Bengali enough. So there was a little bit of that kind of struggle. So there wasn't a place growing up that you felt you belonged because you were like torn between two different things, but you're never fully Italian or fully Bengali. Exactly. I did not feel like I was belonging. I was belonging anywhere. So how did you, how were you able to overcome that? Like, were you able to overcome that? Like how, like, how did you transition to where you are now and how you're feeling now? Yeah, I would definitely say, yes, I did overcome that, but it took me a while because um, I think what made me realize that was the fact that I've been living in Canada and people would ask me questions such as, oh, where are you from? And that's what made me question a little bit about my identity. Like, I was just wonder, like, what answer do I give them? Do I say, do I, say I am Italian? Do I say I'm Bengali? And I knew that if I stick to one thing with one ethnicity, I was not telling half of my story. Um, but guess what? People would question my answer regardless. Like if I would say I am Italian, people would question it because I know that I don't look Italian. And if I would say I'm Bengali, people would question it anyway because they were like, okay, but you have an accent, a very strong Italian accent when you speak. And people would question it. And that's what's something that made me really wonder, okay, I have to figure out who I am. And it took a little bit of work. Like it was more like internal work. It was uh, also like, you know, looking around, uh, let's say, social media to see if it was an actual problem that I had myself or if it was a problem that it applied to other people because I went on thinking that I was not normal all these times, that it's not normal that I have this kind of questions. Like I could see people around me that they were able to come up with an actual answer. They knew who they were, but me, I didn't know. And then it took a couple of years, I would say, a lot of internal work, a lot of conversation with friends who were a bit similar like me. And they were like, no, you're totally normal. Whatever you're feeling is what every culture kid goes through. And I think it's really about choosing who you want to be. And so at the end, I was like, 
I do feel I am Italian, but at the same time, I am also Bengali. And I feel like I have to, like both identities belong to me. And so that's when I came to embrace that I am Italian Bengali. And so now every time when people ask me, I just go and say, I am Italian Bengali. And now I feel like there is a Canadian side that has influenced a lot my choice, but I, I'm not able to associate myself to being Canadian. Like I am Canadian by law, but I don't go around and say I, I am Canadian because I don't feel it. I don't feel that yet. I think it's going to take probably a while. Um, I think I do feel very Italian. I do feel very Bengali. So I always say I am, I am Italian Bengali. So what, how old were you when you moved to Canada? I was in my 20s. <laughs> oh, that, that makes sense on why you don't feel like, you know, that's part of your identity right now, because it probably will take some time. I mean, you lived in Italy pretty much your entire childhood, right? Exactly. Yeah. So what are some dif- differences between being Italian and being Bengali? Because you said earlier, like you, you didn't feel like 100% yourself around your Italian friends. You didn't feel 100% like yourself around the Bengali family. So what are some differences that are there that would make you feel that way? I think it starts uh, with the, first of all, with the religion. Uh, Italy is a very Catholic country, and I come from a very Muslim conservative family. And so right there, you have some differences in the religion. So religion comes with like, what you can eat, what you how you do how you dress, um, and also like the cultural differences. Like my parents are very very strict, and they always wanted me to be you know the typical Bengali girl, like obedient, would just listen to her parents, um, doesn't go out too much, doesn't hang out with friends uh, too much, doesn't come home late, and so for instance, like I would see all of my Italian friends having boyfriends, they would bring them over to their places uh, they would go to the cinema they would come home really late and whereas I I did not have that kind of childhood like I even my teenagehood I could rarely go out I could even if I when I went out I had to be home by seven uh, it was an issue if I was dating someone it was an issue if I was dating someone outside of the culture or outside of the ethnicity Whereas I feel like for the Italian community, which some of them are also very strict and very conservative, but they were very much more open-minded. Like you can date and marry someone outside of the ethnicity. But for us, it's a little bit more difficult. There are, there are different challenges that you have to go through. Um, and so these little things I was really forbidden to do. So I like when I was with my Italian friends and they were like, oh, let's go to the cinema. Every time I had to say, I cannot, I cannot do this because my friends don't want me. And it's a perception and it's the culture. It's not dictated anywhere. Yeah. So it you dealt with a lot more of a conservative family than your friends were dealing with. Yes. So you said that you can't, couldn't date outside your culture. Was there a lot of other people around that were Bengali as well? Or was it like slim pickings? Um, not for my case. I mean, I was probably the, the first ones. Like my dad always tells me you're the first Bengali girl to be born in Italy. So I mean, I kind of believe that. So there was really no one my age all the people were much younger than me, like 
three, five years younger than me. So I also did not grow up with the with the big Bengali community. Like we had, we were very small in Italy. And for some reason, I also chose not to hang out with Bengali people because I never felt like I was myself. And because a lot of them were a little bit more conservative, I felt like everything that I was saying, I was somehow judged. So I, I avoided that. I avoided hanging out with the Bengali people. Um, and so it was, it was like, there was, there was not that many Bengali girls around me. I did not have that many Bengali friends. My main circle of friends were Italian and, um, yeah. So (laughs) were you not able to date at all? Because you said your family didn't want you to date outside of your Um, culture. (laughs) You know what? It just came with a lot of risk. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of sneaking around. Uh, Yeah. If you get caught, it's, uh, severe consequences <laughs> so, so how do they feel now that you're older do they know, still feel worry. the same way it's the same thing <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's the same thing don't bring anybody who's not Bengali no, home it's with the same you thing. yeah it's the same thing you know it's traditions culture you're not able to change whatever was in the past but I also feel like some families are not a- even able to move forward. Like we're in 2023, almost 2024. I mean, things have changed, but I think a lot of families still live like during 1920s. Yeah. So that must've been really difficult for you where you saw your friends all like be able to date and they were bringing home their, yeah. like, I don't want to say significant others because like, I feel like that's a really, that's for like older people <laughs> to say, but like boyfriends and girlfriends. And I learned that a gender neutral term for boyfriend and girlfriend is date friend. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, that's interesting. It's something new that I, I, I had to look it up. I'm like, what's a gender neutral term for boyfriend or girlfriend? Uh, Because I was trying to use it towards somebody who didn't fit into the binary. But anyways, that's just a side note. Seeing all your friends have these boyfriends and girlfriends that they could bring home and introduce them to your parent, their parents, but you had to like hide it. Yeah. And even then I was always very worried. I I would just avoid it. (laughs) (laughs) I would just avoid it. I was like, I don't want to get in trouble. And the consequences are so bad. Like I... I have few friends. I mean, I had one friend who was not even actually living in my same city. She used to date and it was not even outside the um, the community. And then she got caught and she was told to break up. And then she was brought to Bangladesh and she was forced into this arranged marriage with someone that she didn't like. Wow. Um, yeah, she, she didn't like that. She, of course, like, separated and then divorced this person but it was like I don't I don't see this as a solution like I don't see this kind of punishment as a solution to their problems I also don't think it's a crime to date someone I don't think it's a crime to date outside of the ethnicity Um, but for some reason some people especially South Asian cultures they care so much about their reputation and they care so much about what people will think of them that they're willing to basically do anything to maintain that reputation and to keep their names clean so arranged marriages are still a thing in your culture uh yes arranged marriages are still a thing but i think with the twist <laughs> with <laughs> what's the, modern the twist, twist? <laughs> with the modern twist um i was talking about this uh to someone um it was in another podcast that I got invited. So I don't know if you're familiar with the uh, Indian matchmaking on Netflix, the show. 
I've heard about it. I haven't watched it. Okay, so basically now how it works is that, yes, there are still arranged marriages, uh, but basically how it works is that you're introduced by someone, whether it's an uncle, aunt, anyone from the family, to someone else, and you have this bio data, which is sort of like a resume. So each person has one, and you write down like, okay, this is the studies that I've done, this is where I work, these are my hobbies, these are my family members, and then you start distributing it. And then if there is a potential match, the two families are brought together, the two people are basically introduced to each other, and then they're given the chance to like, see if they like each other, if something might spark. And then if things work out, let's say, you're giving like a timeline. Usually you don't have a year to date. I mean, at least not for my community. You're giving really a couple of months, if not weeks. And then if things work out, then there is the whole preparation for the wedding. So it's a little bit like how you see it in the Indian Indian matchmaking. But I think in that show, probably you're giving time to date. But for us, it's very, um, the, like the time to date is really limited. Like you're really given the time to like go out a couple of times. And then if, Within a month or two, things work out, then that's it. You're set. Your wedding date date is set. That's so fast to make a decision. And I say that because it, it, even though I got married very fast, like I got married to my spouse like a couple months after I met him. But even like looking back, I'm like, that was so fast. Like, what if I didn't like it? What if like yeah. a, a year into it, I didn't like him? I mean, I do like mm-hmm. him. I've been married almost 13 years, but like, what if? like a year or two into it, I realized I didn't like him. It's so fast to make a decision. Yeah, but you know what? I think the that's the thing. It's the risk that you have to take. And I know people who are my age or even younger than me who actually take that risk. And I think they probably got influenced or conditioned by their parents because my parents, for instance, they got married through an arranged marriage. And they just based the decision on a picture, like they just saw each other and then that's wow. it. And they've been married for more than 30 years. So I, some marriages are very successful and some are, some are not. But I think if we see how the older generation did it, they, some of the marriages worked and some still work. So it's a risk. It's It's just a risk you have to take. Yeah, that I mean, that makes sense. What were some other rules and stuff that your parents had that were that came from your culture that were so much different than your friend's parents? So, for instance, the way I would dress was something that I noticed a lot. Like in Italy, you know, you can dress however you want and you can show parts of your body, whether it's like your legs, your back, uh, your shoulder. But for my kids, it was really forbidden. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was always told to dress modestly. I was never asked to put a hijab because it's not like mandatory. And I think for the hijab, you have to pull it from inside if you want. But I remember like I was always asked to be covered enough to cover my legs, to cover my arms and to also wear something that is not too tight because there is this perception that, you know, if you wear something too tight, then, you know, it's like not good and men will stare at you. You know, you're just giving signals about something and then you don't want to, you don't want to basically show, like you don't want 
people to find you attractive. So that was one mm-hmm. thing that I remember. And it, it made me always question because I feel like, especially in the South Asian cultures, I think the, the problem is that they somehow are like sexualized and objectified, I would say. Like, I'm not allowed to dress the way I want to because of what the of what a man is thinking like that's pretty wrong I would say and I remember like when I became a much more older and, and an adult that I was like no if I dress away I dress it for myself it's not because I'm trying to you know send a message to someone about something in particular that's if that's the case that's not my problem it's the problem is of the other part and so yeah. I did there's this whole problem that women are often objectified um and we are very much sexualized and I don't like that. Yeah, that makes sense. That does. So what are some things that you've carried into adulthood with you from both both different cultures that that you come from? Or did you just choose to stick with one, one culture or the other? Like how no. did you come into adulthood with these with these third being a third culture kid? How did that bring you into adulthood? So I didn't stick to one or the other. I stick to both of them because I try to bring the good side of both of both cultures. Like I feel like when I am with my Italian friends, I I am able to be myself. And I feel like when I'm speaking Italian, there's this side of me that just comes out that doesn't come out when I'm with my Bengali friends. And so there is this whole like I want to say the Italian personality that comes out, which I feel like it's my actual personality. Um, that's one thing that that I that I took from it. It's like me speaking in Italian is something that I am most comfortable with because I am able to be myself. And that's one thing. Um, the second thing is, of course, you know, the food. I very much enjoy eating pasta and eating like Italian food. Like even in Montreal, I always go and do grocery to my Italian stores because I'm so faithful to the things I used to eat in Italy. The other things don't taste the same. Like I feel like I am home when I go to my Italian stores. And that's one thing that I also took away from uh, from this. I um, When I meet, you know, Italian people in Montreal or even when I connect with them online, I feel like, you know, there is this instant connection with my Italian community. And that's because there is that side of me that comes out. And then when it comes to the Bengali side, I definitely took a lot from our, um, the traditional uh, clothes that we wear, which I I remember I never used to like them when I was a kid because I was always concerned. Like every time I would wear them and go out, people would stare at me because they were not familiar with what I was wearing. But now I embrace it. I'm like, no, I look good in this. I think people would think I'm a princess or something. So I enjoy wearing those. <laughs> I enjoy wearing those. I um, I still don't have that many Bengali friends. I actually chose not to. Uh, and it's just a choice I, I made. And, and because I think there are still people who judge you for whatever you say. And then, of course, I also very much enjoy Bengali food. Not as much as Italian food, but I still very much enjoy that um, that side. And I went to Bangladesh a couple of times. It's a completely different world from where I grew up, but I still appreciate the diversity and the richness that it can bring. You know, I see how people live. I see how people communicate. And I know how to speak Bengali, but sometimes I regret that I didn't 
learn it enough. Like I wish I knew how to write. I, knew, um, I wish I learned how to read because uh, I only speak it. I feel like it would have been just a greater advantage for me. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I can imagine it might feel like you're missing a piece maybe. Am I, I, am I right about that? You feel like you're missing a piece? Yeah, it feels like, you know, I think about it because I'm like, I know this many languages. I know how to write in Italian. I know how to speak in Italian. The same thing with English, the same thing with French. But when it comes to Bengali, I'm like, I only know how to speak it. But I wish I, wish I could be able to like, read it and write it you know then I like it, it would just be advantageous for me it would be just an asset for me if I knew all that you know and I, and I still feel like that's like the missing piece in me yes yeah um do you find that you said you don't have a lot of Bengali friends but do you find that the your generation are holding on to the, those conservative values or are they starting to change and move away from them so here is the thing, because I feel like when I came to Canada, I did meet few Bengali people. But I feel like they're very different from me. And I and I don't know why. I don't know if it's because of the way they were brought up. I don't know if it's the, the environment they're, they've been conditioned to. They are very, they're very different in the way we think it's very different, like, Yes, they're very open-minded, but at the same time, they're very like conservative. And that's why I'm like, if I say something like, oh, living with someone before marriage, I think it's it's a great thing. They are already judging me. Gotcha. They are yeah. already judging me. So that's what I'm like, you know, as much as I feel like they're open-minded, when you have this kind of conversation, you realize that they're not so open-minded as I used to think. Yeah, for my, so I'm doing a women's and genders master's right now. And in one of our readings, they were talking about that, how we can't really tell people what is progressive because what may, may be progressive for us may actually be like, may not be what what level they've reached, but they are progressing. So it sounds like you're saying that is they're progressing. They just haven't quite reached the level that you've reached and it makes it really awkward. Yeah, it makes it really awkward. And that's when I'm like, okay, I think I should just like end this conversation. <laughs> yes. Now, did your parents move to Canada with you? No, they moved to England. And now they moved to England and there's a big community of Bengali people. So I feel like they even went backward no. with the whole mentality. Yes. <laughs> so so uh living near other Bengali people kind of uh solidified their conservative values like now they're like oh we all think the same so yeah let's be this yeah it sometimes it feels like it's even worse so I'm like okay we're back to square one <laughs> <laughs> you've made so much progress with them and now it's like they've just reverted back to the way they were before yeah yeah exactly so I'm like okay so how, do you find that they try to judge or pressure what you're doing now or do they just kind of let you live your life in Canada? And uh, sometimes they do. Sometimes they, they do. They do. They do judge me and they do try to control me a little bit, which is what I don't like about it. And like, 
let's say I, I go back and I'm wearing jeans. Like it's not a big deal to wear jeans. It was never a deal, but again, they tell me don't wear it too much because, you know, it's showing your figure. So that's an issue again, you know, that's, that's an issue. Maybe if let's say there's, they're like, okay, we're going to someone's house, try to cover your hair. Don't leave them open too much. Again, it's for the same issue that people might stare at you, people might find you attractive. And so it still happens even though I'm much older right now. So these things are still happening. <laughs> I, st- I still go with my open hair and I still wear jeans. So <laughs> <laughs> You're just like, I'm not listening to anything you say. Yeah, I'm not listening to this crap. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I'm not listening to this crap. So it sounds like you align more with the Italian side than you do the Bengali side. In a way, I do. Um I do, but I don't neglect. I don't neglect the other side because I still like that side of me. I think it's still enriching for me. So, yeah, I I do like that side. Yeah, we had someone on the podcast, and I can't recall her name right now because there are so many people that come on the podcast. And if I was given enough time, I could recall the name. But she was talking about retaining her her culture um because she moved from Italy to the United States um with her spouse who's in the military and retaining her culture when she moved and that it was difficult because she couldn't always find the food that she mm-hmm. was used to and that sort of thing. Do you have those struggles in Canada? <laughs> That's how I felt when I moved from Italy to Canada because I think at the beginning I was always looking for my Italian food always every single place that I was going starting from the coffee that was the biggest struggle oh my gosh it was such a struggle because filter coffee it does not exist in it and like I was like what is this we, we in Italian we say this is um like dirty water that's how we call it and I struggle a lot because I was like I cannot find my macchiato I cannot find the cappuccino then the milk was different everything was different my croissant they did not taste like the one in Italy and they still don't actually they still don't not even the cappuccino and actually what I find interesting is that in Italy like you can buy macchiato cappuccino for so cheap but then in Canada in the states they're super expensive uh that's one thing that's why like I don't even drink the normal macchiato because I'm like okay it's it's freaking expensive and then I struggle a lot with finding grocery stores that sold my actual uh the things that I used to eat and then I finally found it after many years I think they opened in like 2013 or something the store that I go which is like 20 minutes away from me I go there once a week or once every three weeks and I just like buy a bunch of things and they carry like all these brands that I used to eat in Italy and I eat those things that's when I feel like okay I'm in peace right now if something happens I'm like you know I can die in peace because I had my Italian food so I did struggle a lot at the beginning and I and even now like even now I still struggle with that but I go to that store and buy stuff like as much as like even with pasta and pizza, I don't like the stuff that they have in um, in the restaurants here. I'm super picky, super picky. So I, I, if I don't like a place, if I'm disappointed, I just don't go back to it because I'm like, you know what? It's pointless. It's pointless. I'm just going to be upset. <laughs> so I imagine it was quite the transition moving from Italy to Canada. Was it only the food or were there other things that you have struggled with? <laughs> Freaking weather. 
<laughs> Especially in Montreal. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. The freaking weather was such a struggle. I remember like I never experienced that much cold weather and snow in my whole life because I used to live in Milan. Okay. It does snow, but it snows like what? Two centimeters. And we're like, we're still functioning. But here actually like I remember experiencing freezing rain and I was like, what is this freezing rain? And I had to like, you know, be careful because I was, it was, my life was in danger because I, I remember going out on a day that there was freezing rain and I didn't know what it was. And then I fell twice <gasps> and yeah, I fell twice and I was like scared to death. I was like, I'm never going out in a freezing rain. I, I was talking about this to another friend who comes from Europe. He was like, yeah, we don't have that in, in Europe. And I was like, yeah, I think it's like a Canadian thing where you have the freezing <laughs> rain. And then like the first few years with the minus 40 was a struggle. It was a, so much struggle. I thought my lungs were become, going to become ice because it was honestly it was it was just so cold now it got better now I'm somehow used to it although every year it feels like it's the first time but I remember the weather was it was a big big struggle for me a big one yeah I um can I can only imagine so I grew up in the north like I said in north northern New York near Canada so like I I'm used to that freezing rain snow and everything but then I moved to Florida as a teenager and that was just like, why is this? This is so hot and it's so muggy. And then I met people who have never seen snow in their whole life. And I'm like, what? How could you never see snow in your life? But then if you are somebody who was born in Florida, you've never left Florida, of course you will never see snow in your entire life. Florida doesn't get snow. So it was, that was like reverse for me. It was like, I went from like this cold where we have all these seasons and it's really pretty where I live now is Connecticut. So that's still Northern part of the United States. And so like, I feel more home now, but when I lived in Florida, I was like, what is this crap? It's so hot and it's so muggy. Yes. I tell that to myself every time I see the snow. (laughs) (laughs) You're like the opposite of me. You're like, you see snow and you're like, what the heck is this? Yeah. And it's like an enduring season of winter. Like it's just, it's just so long. It's like not few months, it's like freaking six to eight months. And you're like, when is this crap over? Like literally. Yeah. Yeah. Once it starts, it doesn't stop for a while. Yeah, it doesn't stop. So now that it's like we're soon approaching fall and winter, I'm like, oh, no, dark days, shorter, shorter, sunny days. You know, I'm like, I don't want that. (laughs) (laughs) Cold and yes, I I can imagine that if that's not your norm, it would be weird. Uh, Where for me, I'm like, that's my norm. It was weird when I didn't have snow. Like I also lived in Virginia, which is southern part of the United States too. And um, they got like a dusting of snow, like probably as much as you got when you lived in Italy. It's just like a little bit and everything shuts down when there's snow in Virginia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Even even for us in Italy, the transportations stop stop working schools are closed no one goes to work it's just two centimeters of snow but it's like for them it's like the end of the world (laughs) where canada will stay open with like feet upon feet of snow or i should say you y'all do centimeters we're the only place in the entire entire world that does not use it's the metric system right 
yes. It's, it's United States is weird. We're like the only one. It's just, it's so stupid, but I can imagine like Canada, you get like centimeters upon centimeters upon centimeters of snow and everything just stays open. It just keeps yes. going. <laughs> yes. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Well, at least we're good with the whole cleaning part. I mean, we're pretty equipped. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's the thing, right? So if you live someplace that doesn't get a lot of snow, they're not going to invest in uh, plows, like things like that, where like, if you live someplace that gets a lot of snow, then you're going to invest in those things. So that's kind of why places that don't get a lot of snow shut down when there's snow, because you don't have anything to deal with the snow. Yes, exactly. <laughs> what does the, before we wrap up the podcast, what does the future look like for you? What are you hoping happens as far as cultures because now you're saying you're like a fourth culture kid well not a kid anymore you're an adult so what are you how are you hoping to meld all those together honestly I just hope the world is a bit more welcoming and accepting to multiple ethnicities and by what I mean by that it's not just our culture kids but you can have people with like six cultures and just to be more open-minded and less judgmental towards that because I think with um, how things are changing and how people get together I think you just have to be you just have to accept that this is what the norm would be and there will be more and more diversity um, I also started to see that a lot in Italy like in Italy you didn't have people with mixed kids now you do have it and I think mm -hmm. the goal is to be really welcoming so I'm really hoping that we see that a lot more and to see more diversity not just like in our daily life but also like in like workplaces in in communities to be a bit more accepting also with mixed marriages I think it's just beautiful when you have two cultures coming together and you have a bit of both coming together it's just I think it's a different kind of representation uh, it just gives birth to something new and unique and very original very authentic so I'm just hoping for that yeah they actually say I think by 2050 in the United States white people will be the minority which you know irritates some white people I'm like sure cool let's mix it up here like um but <laughs> because there are so many people now that are able and willing to date outside their culture and really the United States has such a diverse amount of people like it's it's kind of silly when somebody's like, oh, you got to be native from the United States to be superior. There's people that have that that mentality. And I'm like, but we have so many people from so many different places that live here. And that's why they're saying now, because there's so many multiracial people that by 2050, you will not have just white people yeah. being the majority, which I'm I'm cool with. Let's let's bring this. Um <laughs> I am not, I am not one of those white people, <laughs> like those white people. Um, but so I agree with you. Like, I agree that we need to be open-minded and in open to experiencing different cultures. I've always yeah. been, I've always admired people who actually have a culture. Like I didn't, I got, my kids had an, a homework assignment to bring home last year that was like, what are some things from your family's culture that you do? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't have one. 
Like I told my kids mm-hmm. that like, I don't, my, uh, there's no traditions. There's nothing like that. Like, and I kind of admire people who have traditions and have things like that because I can't say that I do. So I think that's pretty fantastic. Um, so as we wrap up the podcast today, what would you like to leave the inspired women audience with? It's the hardest question. It's the hardest question of the entire (laughs) podcast episode. Almost everybody's like, I don't know what to say. I was not expecting this question. (laughs) Okay, since it's it's a podcast for inspired women, I think I would say to live your life unapologetically. Um, that's something that one of my managers told me. She was like, yeah, once you reach 30, that's how you're going to start living. And I remember being like, huh, I don't know what that means. But now that I am in my 30s, I'm like, okay, I think I, I know what she means. And I kind of feel very unapologetic, very like bold and powerful. So that's when I want to leave your audience, uh, with, <laughs> I'm in my 30s as well. So I feel like that too. I, I I feel like right now I'm the best version of me, but hopefully in my 40s, I'll be an even better version of me. But yeah, you kind of, by the time you reach your 30s, you're like, I'm so sick of this crap. I'm just going to do me. Like Literally. I'm just going to do my own thing. <laughs> Literally. So that's how I feel. <laughs> I love that. I think that's amazing. So I want to thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in with us today. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a rating or review. Follow us on social media at Inspired Women Podcast, both on Facebook and Instagram. And don't forget to join our Facebook group, The Inspired Women Podcast.